0: We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two. all engines running.
1: 10 questions with Adam Joir. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Lift off. we have liftoff. Hello, I'm back with a special episode of 10 Questions with one of the heavyweight champions of Australian comedy, podcasting and television hosting, Mr. Will Anderson. He used to be a journalist. In fact, he left the Herald and Weekly Times just as I arrived. And since then, he's grown and developed his masterful stand-up act, hosted iconic TV shows, The Glasshouse and Groon, been a radio presenter on commercial networks and Triple J, And now he has the most downloaded podcasts in the country. These days, he splits his time between Australia and the US. And as I interview him in his LA apartment, he's preparing for either his 21st or 22nd consecutive show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. He can't remember the number, and it doesn't really matter. It's a lot. This year, he's at the Comedy Theatre until April 17. Tickets through Ticketmaster... And while we're plugging shows, come see Agony Live at the Yarraville Club starring Lawrence Mooney, Joe Stanley, Dave O'Neill, Carl Wilson and Glenn Robbins this weekend, April 8 and 9. Tickets through youngandhardy.com. That's youngandhardy.com. But back to Will. I started by asking him when he was most happy.
0: Uh, Oh, that's a good question. Um, uh, When was I most happy? um I'm happy all the time like i'm a I'm a happy person I would say that as a general sense like i wake i'm i'm pretty content with you know my day to day I often think the best thing about comedy is just working at home and talking to the dogs and you know yeah, watching yeah. shows and i'm happy but um i mean I guess for me it would be there's a couple of things like I remember really fondly getting to program uh rage the t v oh, show rage wow. and I had grown up. the, the I love music, and uh, you know I've been lucky enough to travel around the world and see some of my favourite bands. and uh, This year, I'm going to go to Coachella, and this year I'm going to go to a music festival in Spain called Primavera Sound, where Radiohead and PJ oh. Harvey and LCD Sound System, and it's on the beach in Spain. and uh, You know that that's what I like to do. and I fell in love with music uh, when I was a teenager. Um, uh, watching rage and so i remember just for whatever reason when i got to i'd like they give you this book of like all the film clips they have and i had it for like i had it like for a month and i would have changed that list so many times and you know like so that was i mean that was a genuine like not only the moment of like and then being able to like sit at home and watch your rage like you know guest program rage like we still like every saturday morning we will have rage on like you know we will watch you know, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I got to do that." That So for me, that was like a really big moment. Um
1: Can I remember I ask what were some of the tracks?
0: Ah, oh, <laughs> there was a lot of there was a lot of anything that it was Pixies related. So there was a lot of Pixies, there was a lot of Breeders, there was a lot of Frank Black solo stuff. There was probably more of that than they needed to be. <laughs> there would have been a lot of Beastie Boys. Um, I'd love to go back. There'd be some stuff on there that. Um, uh I guess now that I probably wouldn't put on there if I had a second go yeah, at it. Yeah. But um that was pretty great. Uh, and then just like a couple of career moments. There's there's been a couple. I had um I remember uh the first time I hosted the Melbourne Comedy Festival Gala, that felt like a really big deal. Mm. Um I I remember when I got nominated for the Oh, well, I'll go to this one last because it's kind of the the funniest one. Um I, I, I we talked about this when you did uh, my podcast, but um, I did this just for laughs show at the Melbourne at the Sydney Opera House just for laughs. The big Canadian, yeah, you know, right. kind of they have the biggest comedy festival in the world, and they decided to do a Sydney show, and they only had one Australian act on, which was me. And it was a lineup that had like you know Russell Howard and Louis C K and John Cleese was hosting, and uh, you know Margaret Cho and yeah oh Dylan Moore, and it was like a Martin Short, oh. you know, like crazy this lineup of comedians and. It's two shows in the concert hall at the Sydney Opera House. And you know, sometimes in comedy, like, you know, you just like, you know, my second show that night was good. It was good. And like it was you know, compared to everyone else it was it was good and it would have been definitely in the mix and people would have gone away and, and said, you know, that was he did a good job. We'll yeah. do a good job. But for whatever reason in that first show, I just sometimes it just Sometimes it just all comes out right. Sometimes, you know, the audience is ready for you. You came off the right person. It's the right time of the night. It's whatever the fuck it is. It's a bunch of people who are like, this is internationals, but we're glad the Australians here. What, uh, all of those factors maybe a combination of all those things and just my excitement or the fact that I wanted to do a good job. But it it went really well. Like you know, it was yeah. just one of those nights where it just went really well. And I remember walking off stage, and Louis CK was coming on next. Then just kind of you know, I don't even if you said like more than a couple of words, and I can't remember what those words were. But it was like proper. It was like one of those moments where you were kind of like, "Hey, Louis thought I did a pretty good yeah. job," and that was a big moment for me. Yeah. Um, and the last one, this is my because this is my favorite. When you want to talk about like you know being happy, uh, when I went to Edinburgh in nineteen ninety nine. Uh, I was lucky enough that I got nominated for the Best Newcomer, the Perrier Best Newcomer, in 1999. And back in those days, there was only three people nominated. Uh, Dara O'Brien, who some people will know, um, you know, uh, as the host of Mock the Week and Mm -hmm. a world-famous comedian, he didn't Mm -hmm. get nominated that year. He was the the big tip. He was going to win it. But uh, in a surprise, I got nominated and... uh, but in those days, they didn't tell the nominee. Like these days, I think the nominations come out on the Wednesday and they announce it on the Saturday or something like that, right? But in my day, they just announced it at the awards. So they literally were like, and so the nominations for Perio Best Newcomer That's are weird. Ben and Arne, uh Infinite Number of Monkeys, and Will Anderson, you know, uh, I Am the Wheelrus, or whatever the fucking show I was doing, Millennium, I think. And, um, uh And in that moment, I honestly had never – because I'd gone to this comedy festival overseas. I was three years into doing stand-up and I'd been nominated for like the biggest new comedy award in the world. And so this is how it happened. It was like uh, – and, you know, the nominees are – I think I went an infinite number of monkeys, Will Anderson, Will So I got to go – I'm around my friends <laughs> and then everyone's like, oh, my God, you've uh-huh. been nominated. And then in my head, I literally remember this while they were saying Ben and Arn, like who was the other nominee. I remember this was happening in my head. I went, oh, my God, I've been nominated for the fucking Perrier Newcomer. I might fucking win this. Oh, my God, I'm going to win this. And then they went, and the winner is Ben and An. And <laughs> – so, but it is a form of torture. But that 10 seconds was pretty great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Something like Utopia. Yeah, wow. There
0: was a little moment there where I felt pretty great.
1: Oh, mate, that's brilliant. <laughs> it's so interesting, isn't it? It's, it's almost like uh, this whole nomination award thing. It's, it is. It is a bit of a test, isn't it, to how you're going to handle it. I remember thinking that when 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 um, people win an award or their first flush with fame and everything, it's really a, a character test as to, you know, what kind of person you are. It
0: makes or breaks you. No. I, I often say that, like, success uh, is... Uh, some people wear it well mm. and some people wear it terribly. <laughs> yes. And... It can often be a surprise to find out which is which. Mm. I, I, I'm a person who out loud will say very honestly that I am a much nicer person to be around and a much like, you know, more creative and and not just a better person having had some success. Because yeah. me when I was trying to be successful was a, you know, I wanted it too much and yeah, like, you know, yeah. th- that sort of sheer kind of desperation to do a good job leads you to a... You know, but sometimes you see it the other way. Someone who was really great, and then you're like, "Oh well, that ruined them." Yeah, so, you know.
1: yeah, that's true. That's true. The next question is, who would you like to apologize? The next question is, who would you like to apologize to, and why? Well,
0: I have apologized to Shannon Noll. That's the kind of famous like apology yeah. that I had to make um, in Australia because uh, I did a joke, uh, which actually, funnily enough, like the interesting story behind it is, it wasn't even my joke. Uh, it was like at the time. Uh, a friend of mine was doing support for me and uh, I'm sure he would be fine with me naming him because we joke about it all the time but, uh, uh, and we may have even spoken about it publicly before but anyway, uh, uh, he was doing support for me and he had suggested the line and it was about Shannon Knoll's dad's name which I believe to be Noel Knoll which it turns out it, it was not. I, but, my, <laughs> but my whole uh, routine, because I had this routine, it wasn't about Shannon Noel. The routine was about, uh, I believe it was about Apple Martin, in fact. Yeah, yeah. right. And so the whole thing was about celebrities and, like, you know, funny names and one of the beats in this joke was about, and Shannon Noel's dad's name was Noel Noel. That's not a name. That's the sound that makes when you get something wrong on Family Feud. No, Noel or <laughs> oh, whatever it was, you know what I mean? Like, that was the joke.
1: Solid. Uh,
0: but it wasn't, like a, yeah, it wasn't meant to be, but there was two problems with that joke. Firstly, his name was not Noel. Uh, <laughs> that was the first problem with the joke. Uh, his name was Neil, and the name Neil Noel is not amusing at all. Uh, <laughs> secondly, the thing that I was not aware of, that it turned out a lot of Australia was aware of, was the fact that his father was, de- was dead. I didn't oh. know enough about Shannon Old to know that his father was dead oh, and there was some oh. sort of tragic tractor accident or something. Oh. That. So the interesting thing about that, and I don't blame anyone else, it was my joke and it's always my responsibility. Like if the words come out of my mouth at the end of the day, they're my words. Mm. And I kind of felt that at the time. You know, there was a temptation and I believe even this other person may have suggested to me that they were happy for me to, suge- yeah, to say it wasn't. You know, but I was like, you know what, I said it. Like, at the end of the day, I said it, you know what I mean? Like, so when it happened, um, it was interesting because uh, that wasn't a live show. It was the Melbourne Comedy Festival Gala. It had been edited, it had been watched, it had been blah, blah, blah. And there had been no red flags along the way. It wasn't like somebody had come to me and said, hey, what about this bit about Shannon Knoll's dead dad? Is that, you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, I kind of felt like that there was a failure in that part of the process. And it's a Channel so- Ten
1: thing. I mean, it was uh, Idol was Channel Ten,
0: right? You would have thought that someone mm. would have been like, "Does he know his dad's dead?"
1: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little, a small note on uh, on Will's piece. Um, yeah. Noel's uh, no, oh, Neil is not yeah. with us, but yeah.
0: But um. So anyway, uh, I I apologized. Um, Immediately and or
1: after? Or? Well, when I found
0: out, like, yeah, that he yeah. was upset about it, and I made a donation to. Um, uh, it was a children's charity at the yeah. time. It was a long time ago so I don't remember what it was but uh, I, I made a donation because to, to, I thought... That's good. Well my, well, my thing was like I got it wrong. Mm. So my attitude to it was that I will say that I was wrong and I will back up the sincerity of my apology by saying and also I've donated $2,000 which to me at that time was still a fucking yeah, fair yeah. amount of money to a children's charity like to you know kind of show that like you know you know that I'm genuinely sincere about the apology um but it kind of never it never really rang it got I never – I think there was two things that went on. A at that time, this was the emergence of this, like, you know, thing that is everywhere now which is just, you know, take something controversial and splash it up and keep beating it up and those sort of things, right? You know, the idea that people represented this and people still to this day believe, you know, that I made some joke about Shannon Oles' dead dad and what they mean by that is that, like, they think that the joke was – intentionally going, ha your dad's
1: dead yeah, or whatever,
0: yeah. which it was not. Now, no. I'm the first to admit that it was wrong and, you know, that it was about his dad who was dead. But mm. that was not the...
1: No, no, you didn't mean it. It was... Like, <laughs> it
0: wasn't what the point of the joke was meant yeah. to be. It yeah. was an accidental thing that I did. But, however, the problem was that I probably still kept going making fun of Shannon Noll. And what I didn't realise, which was, in retrospect, is, like, I had... I. It, <laughs> it's almost like you. It's it's fine for you to make fun of somebody, but but you get it up until when you fuck it up and get it wrong, and then once you get it wrong, you yeah. should. You, the rule should almost be that you don't get to make fun of them anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Because it added to this idea i kind of was like well i made a mistake but i said oh sorry so let's just keep going on he's mm. still a shit musician i'm gonna make like yeah, i mean yeah, he challenged yeah. me to a fight like that yeah, was I a big public yeah, thing that.
1: yeah now it's coming back to and me.
0: i said um i said well i'm not gonna like i mean <laughs> like i said I, I think my answer was though and again this is unnecessarily smart arse, but i said uh come on you're good at fighting can't you challenge me to something that neither of us are good at like singing <laughs> and because i thought that was still a funny joke this is <laughs> well. me being funny of about it you know yeah, yeah. but <laughs> but in retrospect I reckon I would have walked away from it because I felt like it meant that the the jokes that I made afterwards made it feel like my apology in the first place wasn't sincere okay I'm I, I think you can hold the two positions that I think Shannon Noll like his music is not to my taste mm. and I'm not a fan of like you know that sort of thing mm. but also uh, you know I made a mistake and I made a shitty joke and I feel like you know, you should apologise in that situation for those things. Um, but I, I tend to, I think, these days, apologise when I know that I've done like if I if I've got something wrong, mm. I like to be on the front foot of like. I mean, just a couple of days ago. Uh, Uh, Kelly Carlin, who's George Carlin's daughter, um, who's a performer in her own right and wrote an amazing book um, called A Carlin Home Companion, a show and a book about, you know, kind of life growing up with George Carlin as your father. And she came over to do this podcast. People can listen to that podcast if you'd like. And I want to do my podcast. Yeah, yeah. yes. And uh, (laughs) we're sitting at the same place (laughs) where we recorded my podcast. (laughs) So for a minute I thought this was my podcast again. (laughs) And
1: and you're... (laughs) you can do that whenever you like mate.
0: (laughs) but um uh, i had somehow when i was scheduling all my podcasts and stuff uh put her on the wrong day so when she came over um i was in the middle of recording other podcasts so i had missed messages i had her like you know and this person i don't really know you know i kind of know through somebody um and i wanted to talk to partly because of her and partly because you know her dad is one of the reasons that i do stand-up comedy Mm. um that I had fucked up, you know. Like it was just my fault. There was no – and in the old days I think maybe you you would try to look for some excuse or try yeah. to make up some. But I just was like, well, just front foot it. Just explain what happened and like say you're sorry and mm. like, you know, tell tell her you're embarrassed because you are embarrassed and, mm. you know, don't try to like, you know – and then just leave it. And the interesting thing was, the nice thing was that she was like, oh, of course, no, I mean, I imagine that's what had happened and, oh, nice. and she came back the next day and did the podcast, you know. Oh, that's and
1: good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I do that too. I go, have I got, right. <laughs> first instance, have I got any excuses? Is there any, is any kind of, uh, can we catch this in any way that, no, nah. sorry.
0: I think that this oh. idea that you are perfect is – the ultimate arrogance. Mm. Like this idea, you know, when someone says they're, I'm a perfectionist, I, I bet I've said that over the years, I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> or this idea that you don't get things done because you want it to be perfect. Mm. It's the ultimate of arrogances because it implies inherent in it that you can do something perfectly. Yeah. I have long ago resigned myself to the fact that whatever I do, even at, at its best, will not be perfect. Yeah. So, You know, I'm a human being and I don't know what we're doing. So Mm. sometimes I'm going to fuck shit up. Mm. And sometimes even as what I consider to be mostly a good person, I'm going to have terrible thoughts or do terrible things or what is good for one person in my life may be completely terrible for another person. Like all actions won't have equal reactions across. You know, if I spend more time with my relationship, yes, it will probably impact on my work or vice versa. Like, you know, everything's a trade-off. Yeah, you know and kind of having that idea that you will some way perfectly navigate your 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 way through that life seems to be like a some, if you're measuring yourself against that, then you're always going to be in trouble. I mean, I think that comedy gets probably more like sometimes you know when people with comedy, you're like, you know, I'm just like a comedian,
1: though, right? Yeah, yeah. No, not anymore. like at
0: the end of the day, I am just a comedian. But like now you're I'm, the new statesman. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm, but I didn't appoint myself that. I'm no,
1: not, I'm not running for office. No, it's, it's true though, isn't it? It's Like, like people get mad
0: at what I say, and I'm like, this is just what I think why you should re-examine why you prioritise or think that like people think that comedians have such great power but I will tell you this like I'm a country boy from a farm where my dad is married to the woman he first kissed he's lived on that road for 73 years and I've been talking about marriage equality which I used to call gay marriage but I now call marriage equality because people have suggested that that's probably a more appropriate name Uh, and over the years I have myself when I, I think when I first started talking about it 18 years ago I probably made jokes where I thought I was on the right side of that where i was still relying on stereotypes or whatever to then make the joke and hopefully if i talk about that topic now i talk about it in a different way but here's what i tell you regardless of however i've talked about it i still live in a country where i am one of the like most listened to most watched comedians there has been Mm. and we don't have marriage equality so no one's fucking listening (laughs) to us (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, I've not—it's literally <laughs> the funny, thing I've mate. talked about the most, and yeah. it has not made one jot of fucking difference. No, so, no. I don't know why people are getting so pissed off that I think something. I mostly only think it because I thought it might be funny.
1: Yeah, it's—it's it's true, and it, it its yeah, nothing I've ever done, no tweets, no uh, piece, no no TV show or anything. I don't think it's influenced anyone. All you can really hope to do is make them laugh. I think um, the next question. Well, is what is your greatest regret?
0: Oh, um, what is my greatest regret? Um, I regret that I didn't take more risks earlier. I think that's my greatest regret. I, um, I, I really think, and I, and when I say this, I don't mean to in any way diminish the people who've supported me for so long. Like, I have people at the Melbourne Comedy Festival who come who've been coming for 15 years, you know. Wow. Uh, and that. ...level of support is amazing, particularly as I believe... ...that I have only really been like a a good comedian. Um, Like, you know, have really only truly had my own voice. Like my unique Will Anderson. Yeah, You know, this is my voice. Since maybe 2009, 2010, you know. Like I only think sort of the last six or seven years... ...I would truly say that those shows are reflective of... ...who I think I am or what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And... ...it's around the time that I just started taking more risks. And I think that I should have done that earlier. I would have liked to see myself, you know, do that earlier. There's a period of like my stand-up between sort of like, you know... twenty ...when I was doing Glass House, uh, Triple J, The Column... ...and trying to do a stand-up thing all at the same time... ...as well as being 26, 27, like partying every weekend... ...and like going to rock festivals and taking drugs and like... You know, and going to the comedy festival and taking drugs every night. Mm. You know what I mean? Like while I was doing shows and shit, you know, like partying hard, tr- treating it like that, you know. Um, there's a period of time there I reckon where like my stand-up certainly didn't go anywhere. Like I'm, I don't think I ever did a really terrible show, although I would have done individually terrible shows along the way. Um but, yeah, I mean, that's my biggest regret. I reckon there was a couple of lost years stand-up-wise. I understand explicitly why it was. I was mm. over – I was doing too much stuff. But it was yeah, that yeah. first time when everyone wanted – it was that time where no one's ever said yes and then
1: everyone says yes. It's hard to say no, exactly. you know, and that's what it was. And you think it's going to end so you have to do it now. You know, you have to take on every <laughs> every invitation that comes your way and, you know.
0: Uh, and the other one, like just in a like a work sense, would be that I reckon uh, when Lee and I were on the radio um, that – I would have rec- – the thing I loved about that show, it was such a fun show. Sam Mack was working on it and Limo and I and it was really just us because as I always say to people, at the time, like uh, Hamish and Andy were the big drive show mm. and Triple M, uh, the same network, it's the same company. So they didn't really care like, you know, what that drive show was doing as long as we were doing like, you know, we were rating okay, yeah. you know, like, you know, and, you know, all the sponsors were happy and all that sort of shit. Also, at the time, Triple M happened to be going through their real, like, worst period, right? Mm. So, we will – I always say that, like, you know, it's like uh, you're in a house and the dog's not meant to be on the couch, right? We were the dog on the couch. <laughs> but the rest of the house was burning down, so yeah. we were not the issue. I were like, oh, fuck it. Let the dog be on the couch. The house is burning down. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, we had this great opportunity. But what it probably meant, in retrospect, is we filled it too much. Like, we had all day, so we would fill all day with coming up with all this content. And I was thinking about this the other day because I was thinking about... I was doing what I... The sort of radio show that I'd always wanted to do Mm. because I had access to all these, like, you know, things that you could make series and blah, blah, blah and all this time and, you know, these resources and whatever. But in retrospect, and Limo did a really good job, but I never like, I, I don't think opened up enough of an opportunity for him to play to his real strengths. Like, what Limo ended up doing was, like, helping me make the sort of show that I wanted to make and did a really good job of doing that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was probably the way that everyone in the company wanted it to be and how it was set up for it to be. Yeah. It was my show with whoever I wanted to, like, you know what I mean? But,
1: Definitely, yep.
0: But in retrospect, I just wish that I had, like, every day gone, okay. Had, had literally said rather than me going how could i make the best show realized that maybe i could make the best show by going half an hour a day going what's limo best at mm-hmm. and how can we focus like you know half an hour of every show like around things that maybe make me feel uncomfortable but he's really good at or whatever mm. you know
1: that's interesting yeah, yeah yeah i think about that a bit at that stage you know as you say you had the you had the column you had a tv show you had the radio show you had stand up there's a lot of pressure on your shoulders yeah it's interesting
0: like it's an interesting thing but also like i mean i've always had a uh, there's been an element of you know uh, how old we were our generation we were the last of people who f- uh, went into it f- it not really being a job mm. so like we you know, yeah me husey rove you know how yeah. even like Korean, like you know michelle Laurie, that sort of generation yeah. of people you know we were all the, there'd been people obviously who had jobs who were comedians before that, but now it's kind of like you know become an industry. You go in yeah. going well, you know I'll do this, and then I'll go and I'll have a radio job, or I'll do this and blah blah blah. There's a career path. Yeah, but the rest of us when we first started, it was still kind of we just ran away to join the circus, exactly. and then we had to kind of work it out as we went there wasn't really anyone going this is how you should behave or this is what you should do or you kind of just had to guess mm. and give it your best guess and sometimes you just get that shit wrong
1: oh i, I I've thought of actually a tv show once called um the fame handbook it's like congratulations Will! uh you you're, you've got a show on triple j you're going to be famous uh, this is what to do. This is how to respond when people come up to you. Right. Um, you know, this is this is what you don't say to the Daily Telegraph. Yeah. Um, yeah well, you need to do it like Shannon they do. Shannon dad's dead. Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> like they do with the rugby league. Yeah. Um, you know, they give them all the, like, they had to do the sexual harassment training seminars yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. You need, like, a how to be famous kind of course. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's just called, so you're famous now. Yeah. Six-week introduction course to everyone who comes off The Bachelor or, like, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It's not a bad business it's idea actually. It's not a bad actually. business
1: because you see people like So that.
0: you're suddenly famous. Yeah. <laughs>
1: they're on Home and Away and they're a rabbit in the headlights for right. the first few, six months. Um, what... Uh the next question is what will you still need to do to feel you've lived a satisfactory life?
0: Uh I don't think much, to be honest. I um I know career wise I've achieved like more than I certainly if you'd asked me at the start, I would have thought was possible. Right. Um uh, and you know, I'm very happy in my life, like, you know, in general, you know. Uh so, yeah, not a lot. I think about that quite a lot actually is that idea of going, I don't have any grand burning ambitions that need to be fulfilled. I have a million little things. Like I love throwing myself into things and yeah, yeah. if I ever got through the things that I have to do, I've got a list of another dozen things that I would love to do sometime. But, mm. but none of them are if I don't get this done or if I don't make this thing or whatever. Like, you know, I've done 21 years in a row at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, which I believe is the greatest comedy festival in the world. And I've been lucky enough to be embraced by that city and that festival in a way that has pretty much set up my entire life. Like, that, that, like I've, I've got – if you'd asked me at the start, could you – there's a couple of things that I've done that people will remember. Mm. Whether they remember them – like, you know, that you just go, well, that's a thing. Like, if, yeah. you know, I did, I did 21 shows. Like, even if I stop now – that's a body of work. Yeah. You know, like even the podcast, I think about that all the time. i do done like 500 – yeah, there's 500 episodes of the various podcasts, like 700, 800 wow. hours of stuff there for people. There's a body of work there regardless of whether I had to stop. If I had to stop now, you know, do I still have things to say? Hopefully. Fuck, I hope yeah. so. And I hope I'm going to learn more about the world and have more interesting things to say. But uh, – would I feel like oh I never got a chance? I've had fucking heaps of chances, and I've enjoyed most of them. And you know, mm. I, so no, I don't. I don't have some sort of unresolved you know thing that I need to get to.
1: Yeah, that, that's good. It's like you know, you. It, it's a really important thing for an artist to actually say no. You know, people have heard me. People. I've had it. People have heard
0: me probably a lot more than they fucking needed to, to be
1: <laughs> honest, Adam. They're probably like, well,
0: I guess fucking Adam Zouar giving Will Anderson another opportunity to talk in a fucking microphone. People love it, mate. Yeah.
1: The next question, who is the person who most influenced you and how? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um,
0: I go back to Andrew Denton a lot to answer this sort of question. But I would say, like, I was very lucky that, like, you know, when I was 14, 15 – maybe thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Um, you know, we had two TV networks. People don't want remember this shit. This is how old we are. Two TV networks where I grew up. Uh, we had the ABC and we had, like, a composite – Southern Cross, it was called. It was a composite, like, you know, mostly Channel 10, I think. But, like, yeah, it was a bit of a – Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, at the time, on the ABC, there were two TV shows. You know, I'm a farmer's kid. Who was a farmer's kid? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, my brother's a farmer. You know, that's yeah, yeah. the world I'm from. The first person I met in showbiz was me. You know, it's like yeah. um, <laughs> I – uh, f- fell in love with the showbiz through two TV shows on the ABC. One was Andrew Denton's The Money or the Gun. Yep. Which I still to this day think, you know, like, I mean, people look at what John Oliver, you know, is doing or what, you know, John Stewart did or these sort of, you know, shows. But Andrew was doing that like 30 years ago, yeah. 30, 40. Like, and stuff that would still today be considered. Like, I mean, I remember the episode he did on disability, Mm. he had there'd been a girl in the audience of one of the shows who hadn't clapped or something and he had when he was doing the warm-up it had a go at her or whatever and then he ended up telling this story because she was deaf or like I can't, I can't i i wish that i could remember the exact details but anyway he'd had an awkward interaction with someone who had a disability in the audience and he decided to do this entire show that was around and it was called the uh the International Day of the Patronising Bastard or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) But it was this show that was all about disability and celebrated disability but was also edgy and funny and interesting but, like, really kind of... And I still today, if they put it on TV, I think people would, like, still be, like, you know, have their mind blown by this thing. And the other one was a show called The Big Gig, which yeah. was like uh, Ted Robinson's show on, on mm. the ABC hosted by Wendy Harmer and the Doug Anthony All-Stars and, you mm. know, Glenn Nicholas. And oh, like, yeah. you know, I mean an amazing cast of performers. Mm. Uh, and I remember that was the, the other one. So I loved, I loved the Doug Anthony All-Stars in particular, but I remember seeing Jim Owen on, uh, on that show and it was the first time he ever did The Big Gig and he did this routine about seagulls not having any eyebrows. <laughs> And uh, me and my friends like knew that routine off by heart. Off by heart we knew that. And we went down to Melbourne to watch like our first stand-up gig, caught the train down, got fake IDs, went to the last laugh, drank frozen margaritas, got there at seven for like a nine o'clock show, you know, crazy because we're kids. But, you know, they were a comedy venue so they still gave us frozen margaritas. (laughs) And uh, we didn't know how comedy worked. Steph Torek, uh, who was doing a a character called Pasha, uh, was the host. And then uh, Tony Martin and Mick Malloy both did stand-up spots. And then Jamal was on. So it was a pretty great night. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, for me, uh, like, if I look at my life, at least externally, and you look at the story of my life, they were the two most pivotal things that, like, you know, have informed, you know, the sort of... You know, they were both kind of yeah. journalistic comedy, like much more yeah. journalistic, but the sort of things that I've ended up doing. But it's also, I mean, Ted Robinson was the pro- like producer of Good News, which is where I first really, yeah. people got to know me. He was the producer of Glass House for all that time and then Andrew was one of the co-creators and producers of Gruen when we started. So, like, lit- in a, both in a sort of, like, you know... It's
1: amazing. Uh, that, right. That, that you actually your life is like a secret isn't it
0: yeah i mean but it is kind yeah. of like i mean it really has you know uh been that and the most interesting thing about that is then having relationships with these people as like adults and as equals equals and i mean i think the hardest thing and i say this and it's no secret that andrew and i don't get along famously but i um I, I, there has not been a bigger influence on my career you know than him um and you know i will always respect that because everything that i have is because of the window that you know he opened up to me and then also the second time around when like i mean regardless of what i do and i say this all the time because Gruen to me is a side project mm. but to the majority of my audience is my main project yeah yeah do you know what i mean like yeah. so it's one of those things where I don't see my world the same way as other people see my world. So to them and everything that that show has given me and enabled me to do, again, that was him, this actual man giving me an opportunity. So regardless of, you know, how we might, you know, not sit around, you know, a table at dinner or whatever, mm. like that's never going to go away and never not going to be not respected by me. Um so yeah Ted and Ted That's and, great Andrew. That you can and Ted who, that, and like. Ted who I had a very different relationship with like Ted to me was almost like a surrogate father in some ways when I bought my house I didn't ring my dad I rang Ted to get advice you know and Yeah yeah right So you know just very different and not one worse or better than the other just you know just different because you know people are different and different people get along better with different people and but, but you know.
1: Isabel, it's it's great that you you're able to separate the, the the two things the career and the the personal and you don't actually need to you, you don't actually need to have, be bosom buddies with someone to to respect them and and get a lot out of their artistic content
0: well the interesting thing is that just because you have an like i mean i think Andrew and I the thing that we really have in common and and what i loved you know when he worked on the show you know in the first few years was that we both love entertainment that is in the same area. Mm. You know, like so we both love, you know, that's where if you Venn diagrams, they intersect perfectly. So if yes. we're in that moment, that moment of create you know, being creative and like, you know, mm. wanting to make you know, enter things that are entertaining but also kind of like interesting or that like, you yeah. know, provoke a little bit, that's our sweet spot. Yeah. In that moment, you know, where amazing yeah and then if you're going to use the venn diagram thing the rest of it's kind of separate worlds yeah and that's fine i mean to be honest adam spencer and i were like that as well a lot of the very good creative partnerships i have had have have been that like adam and i worked on the radio together for five years and got on great like most Mm. of the time never went to each other's houses I mean, our lives and our priorities outside work were different. And I've always been a person who's, who's fine with that. Like, I don't need to have the same level of relationship with everybody that I need to have. You know, do you know what I mean like you need to have the relationship you, you need to have with them?
1: Yeah. What happens if you go like, you know, um, you're getting on really well with someone and you're becoming friends? Sometimes in the old days, it was, would be come around to my place and we'll jam. Right. We'll get our guitars and we'll jam. And now it's come around, right we'll write something. Well, you make <laughs> you know, something together. That, that's it, yeah. I mean, for me, that's what podcasting
0: is, though. Like, mm. I mean, I always say it's like the Tinder of comedy. But for me, being able to have these conversations with these people that I like, to mm. be able to sit down with them and, like, not only have a conversation with them, but I always consider it, like, create a show with them, particularly when I'm doing something like uh, Tofot mm. or fofop where you literally are kind of creating a little comedy show. Yeah. You yeah. know, like in the moment and you get to invite someone into your world who you like Yeah, and go, hey, I want to, like, you know, create something with you, which in itself is kind of a – like if you create something with people, then that always kind of bonds you together regardless yeah. of, of the rest.
1: And it's a, it's a fun thing to do and in, in a way a little less pressure than saying, okay, we're going to spend the next year and a half together uh, writing a sitcom. Right. Or, or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like yes. – um, Well, the next question is When was the last time you cried and why? Uh,
0: I cry all the time. I'm an easy crier. Um, uh, (laughs) Famously, uh, not famously, but like in my mind, in the movie (laughs) of my life that I have in my head. uh, I remember when I I told you when I was like, you know, kind of 26, 27, like partying a lot. I just moved to Sydney to do Triple J. I was coming back to Melbourne, not sleeping on the weekends. But I remember the TV show Changy. Do you remember that TV show? Yes, yes. It was on TV, like maybe on a Sunday. night i reckon yeah yeah and it was so beautiful but Stephen it was also Curry. really sad oh, you it know was. yeah yeah and so i would come back from these big weekends of not sleeping in melbourne and then just like it was like therapy i would sit there for an hour and like just cry out my weekend watching changi so, me too
1: mate i i'm in mean, that I can't believe it. I was always
0: been yeah. So I've always been a cryer. So the, the, the last time is funny though. The last time I cried was not for a serious reason. Uh, the last time I cried was uh, on the flight over here twelve days ago. Uh, I had had uh, it would just been my birthday and we'd had a bit of a you know a weekend out for my birthday. But also you know the, when you're in the air, I don't know if you've had this, but it, it is seems to be a phenomenon. You are more kind of emotional, mm. like you know when you get up in the air. Yeah. And I am watching. This is where it gets. I'm watching the Robert De Niro, Anne Hathaway vehicle, The Intern, and I cried. There's a moment where, hey, I am a real sucker for old people having winning moments. Yeah. And, like, there's this moment in the, you know, thing where he's just essentially being an adorable old person and I was, like, crying. And I'm like, well, there you go, crying to Anne Hathaway's The Intern.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what was that, um, what was that, uh... It, Owen wilson and um vince vaughn vehicle where they, they go oh, the google, google one thing what was that one was uh, that internship internship so it was an hour and a half ad for google and i was crying all the way through that <laughs> i mean what's wrong with me i was on a plane <laughs> um uh will the next question is what is your current state of mind Uh, I would say, uh, like, uh, so uh,
0: when we're talking, I'm, like, a couple of days away from doing work-in-progress shows and, like, two weeks away from opening with a new tour that'll have, like, 80 shows in the next, like, two months. Oh, my God. So this is probably, this is kind of as stressed as I get. Like, this is, like, you know, this is the business end of, kind of, you know, my year and, like, there's all the mistakes that have been made have been made at this point, Mm -hmm. Or or, or you know, so you can't. Paper over the cracks. If you haven't done the work at this point, I'm feeling okay. I'm pretty. I would say that compared to other years, I feel like I'm in an okay position at the moment, and I feel okay. But I, I am aware of not letting it overwhelm me because it could easily. I have a lot. I have a lot going on. I'm yeah, gonna.
1: I can see some books there. In front yeah, of, yeah. Right. I'm
0: kind of my plan with this year is like particularly early on in the year. I'm gonna like. Uh, I'm gonna do this brand new show, but I also want to do another run around the election of I did this political show in Australia last right. year. Yeah. And I really enjoyed doing it and um I uh, I I'd like to do that again as well. So I'm kind of working on that as well. But I'm also going to record last year's show Free Will for a special and so I've got to record that during the festival as well in in Melbourne and I got a lot on.
1: It's a lot of lines So I'm to just learn.
0: trying to like be cool about that. Yeah. Like be very open to the idea that like you know um how am I going to approach this and, like, you know, where am I at in this process and constantly being aware of that. So I'm all right. I'm okay. Um, you know, I smoke a lot of pot at them. So <laughs> I mean, it really takes the edge off it most situations.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's really – it does. Um, what do you consider your greatest achievement? Uh, oh, God. I don't really think about it
0: too much, to be honest. Mm. Um, I uh, I don't know. I I think I – would I think that I have a reputation for, like, helping people, giving people Mm. a leg up. Yeah. Like, you know, I feel like that is something that people think about me, Um, you know, that I have been a person that, like, uh, hopefully that people can come to for advice or, like, if there's an opportunity or if there's something I can help with along the way that... You know, in the comedy community.
1: I, I think the I've seen a couple of careers that you've, you've yeah. really helped.
0: Um, but also just, yeah, so I think that, like I like when, if I hear that back in some form, like not, if I hear yeah. back that somebody has said that or is like, you know, being has kind of viewed me in that fashion, I always, I like that feeling. Yeah. So for me, that's it. If there's someone I've helped or if there's someone along the way that I've, you know, kind of helped in there. So many people help me. You know, and you never really get an opportunity to, you know, like you really do have to like, you know, whatever the fucking name of that stupid movie was, pay it forward. You have to – but that's Mm. – it kind of is what you have to do. And um, I would like to think myself as a defender of stand-up comedy. And, you know, like I like – I hope that my greatest achievement might be that people value in Australia – you know and this is certainly not my greatest achievement alone in any way but me and the generation of people around me that like stand-up comedy is seen as an important thing and mm. you know you look at that festival, that Melbourne comedy Festival and such a it's such an important part of like Australia and but particularly such an important part of Melbourne like a yeah, month oh, yeah. of the year that that city is taken over by this thing that it's so amazing. many people that like six hundred and seven hundred thousand people come and enjoy and mm. I mean to be part of that. To have had the, the great, you know, um, uh, like uh, honour, no, that's too much. Like, but you know what I mean, like the great opportunity yeah. to be part of that for 20 years, like yeah. to be part of this cool thing that happens in the – like I'm not a tennis player so I don't get to be part of the Australian Open or I'm not mm. a, like a, you know, whatever it is. But I'm part of a thing. Yeah. And that's nice. And did so. you think
1: you would? Did you think you would be going – is this the 21st show or the 22nd show you're about to do? Uh, I think it's like this is – I think this is year tw- – I don't even know now. But it, I literally you know don't like know, but it's 21 or
0: 22. Yeah, something around Did
1: you – like you know, the whole Mick Jagger thing, You like not wanting to be doing this when you're 40, w- did you think you'd be still doing it when you're 40? I mean,
0: I never thought about it, I don't think. No. And I, I, I think about it more now because when you've done something for 21, 22 years in a row, the question then starts to be in your mind because it's hard. Like, I mean, it's hard to come up with a new show every mm-hmm. year and for that amount of time. I mean, there's nowhere else in the world. I mean, no. again, this is not to talk myself up because there are a bunch of other Australian comedians who do this exact same thing. But to have to come up with a new era of comedy like that, there is nowhere else in the world really that that happens.
1: No. I like
0: mean, it, it's crazy. It's like well
1: Louis C. K. gets, like, ex- the, 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 you know, it's he's put on a pedestal for doing it. He did five
0: shows in seven years and yeah. they fucking threw him a parade. I yeah, mean, they were yeah. great shows, yeah, They're but, much better than still, my shows,
1: but no, but still, it's a you know, that but, is you,
0: the thing. but you wonder then, like, well, when w- do I stop, like, or do I, you know, like, because when you haven't taken a year off for all that time, you're like, what would it be like? I mean, maybe yeah. I should do every second year, maybe that'd be better, or maybe I. You could take, you know, but there's another part of me that's like, well, if you, why would why would I stop? <laughs> do you know what else am I going to fucking that do that's with what my time? Woody
1: Allen said, like, "What well, you should maybe spend a little bit more time on your film," you know, you thought about it, f- spend a little bit more time on his films, you know, yeah. maybe maybe do a few more drafts of the script and and maybe you know do a bit less. And he did actually say, "Why would I?" Why? I, know, I like I like making films. Yeah. Um. The second last question, probably one of my favorite questions, and this can pertain to your career or comedy or relationships, whatever, who would you want on your side in a battle and why?
0: Um, that's a good question. I mean, look, you know, my partner Amy is probably the obvious answer to that just because I think that she's the person who would fight the hardest and the dirtiest <laughs> on my behalf, yeah, you yeah. know. You know, she'd go all in, you know. She's one of those people who would definitely, you know, she, she would uh, have my back right till the end, regardless of whether I was right or wrong. Yeah. So I would say yeah. her. Um, but uh oh look you know um if if you had to have someone to like fight a comedy battle for you, I think that's uh Tom Gleason. Yep. I would bit like is a bit of a secret weapon, I reckon. Yeah. Like he can take anything apart pretty much like, you know, as well as anybody in the world. So you'd yeah. be like, he'd be like your gun lawyer walking into court in any yeah. situation. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I reckon, I just reckon Tom Gleason would be a good man to have in your pocket yeah. when, when whatever shit went down. You yeah. know, he's been to Afghanistan, but he's also been to Vegas. Yeah. You know, he's been
1: <laughs> You're to, Not surprised by anything. Yeah. He, he's yeah. been to
0: private school, but he lives on a farm. You know, yeah. it's like. I feel like he's a man of all situations. That's right.
1: Dresses well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to get Tom Gleason in a comedic sense, I will say.
1: He was the last person I interviewed for this. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have one last question for you, mate, and that is what would you like your last words to be? (sighs) What would I like my last words to be? Uh...
0: Question. Um. Ah <laughs> um. Oh, man, I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't. I hope that I'm not judged just by my.
1: <laughs> Can you please look at the 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 twenty million yeah. other words it's over like <laughs>
0: nine thousand podcasts?
1: Yeah. You know <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Support
0: the Patreon. I uh, last minute plug. Buy the DVD <laughs> or whatever the technology is at that time. Listen to the podcast. Make sure you plug my Twitter. <laughs> uh, our last words on Gruen. Uh which were uh, not written by me, but I said, and I take responsibility and also the credit for the things that come <laughs> out of my mouth sometimes, uh, would be as good as anything. Uh, so, uh, sorry, our last words on Glasshouse were uh, in, in our final episode uh, were in the words of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ fuck them if they can't take a joke. <laughs> so, that'll do. We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two. All engines running.
1: Ten questions with Adam Zwar. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Lift off. We have liftoff.
0: Do you ever think about the
1: call takers and dispatchers at 911? They're the unsung heroes of our public safety system, the first among first responders. Their jobs are stressful and demanding, yet, they keep us safe and calm in life or death situations every day. Let's join together and thank the professionals at 911 for being there when we need them most for saving lives and protecting communities. Show your support for 911. Visit thankyou911.org. That's thankyou911.org.